0: Hello and welcome to Reformed Podmatics, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. This podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Zach. And I'm Pastor Mark. And we should start today by saying Happy New Year to you all. We hope you've had a wonderful Christmas week, uh, Christmas season, I should say. We're still in it, by the way. Uh, (laughs) But I hope your New Year has been great. We uh, apologize for taking a little bit of a hiatus over the holidays. It was actually unintended, uh, but with different circumstances that came up, one of them included including uh, some sickness on my part. We have had to wait until now, but we've been eagerly looking forward to uh, returning to the podcast and to reconnecting with you, our listening audience, whom we love and (laughs) love hearing from. Uh, So at the start of this episode, one of the things I'll say is that if anybody is willing to do us a big favor, one of those big favors would be to maybe leave a review uh, on iTunes or Spotify, if Spotify even allows for that. Yeah, you can
0: give it a thumbs up on Spotify. (laughs) There you
1: go. I didn't even realize, but... But I know iTunes or Apple Podcasts uh, allows for such reviews, so that's something we would – we would be really helped by if you could do that. That would help kind of get the word out even more about our podcast, which we have every intention of continuing on through 2023. Uh, and so today, as you can see from our title, uh, we're going to be talking about how and why we love our church. Now, this may sound a little bit like uh, we're bragging on our church. That is not the intention at all. Uh, we'll explain the, the intention here in a moment, but maybe at the start of the podcast before we get into the rest of the show we can sort of do a little bit of looking back on 2022 Mm uh where are we now in in the development of things uh it's been a interesting few years since the beginning of this podcast, starting in the middle of the pandemic in 2020. And so we've covered a lot of ground. Mark, what are your thoughts as we look back on 2022? What were some of the ups and downs, the good, the bad, and the ugly?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to summarize a whole year of ministry, but uh, <laughs> we, we did a little bit of that at almond valley this past sunday where we have a slideshow on usually the last sunday of the year or the first sunday of the new year depending on kind of what where in the week that falls in terms of dates Um, or sorry, where on the calendar that falls, uh, you know, if, yeah. if the last Sunday is the 28th or something like that, then that mm-hmm. might be like the old year's service. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so anyways, we did that this past Sunday. We had a lot of pictures of vacation Bible school and um, different things that have happened during worship, which has included baptisms of babies and hmm. uh, and new members. Welcome to the congregation. Uh, we're gonna have a really exciting month here at Almond Valley yeah, we are. in January with eleven baptisms, which is really, really special. <laughs> Maybe
1: record breaking. It's record breaking yeah, for our, our tenure, I think. Definitely not
0: <laughs> normal. Um, it would be wonderful if it were normal if the Lord would bless us in that way with, yeah. with all those baptisms. But Um, These have been uh, people who have really been coming to Almond Valley for some time and now are going to have uh, one family, five of their children baptized, three Hmm. credo baptisms within that. So they're older, um, young people. And, uh, and then another family with five, including a little baby, and all five of their children will be, will be baptized as well, plus another baby who was born into the church. And so hmm. that's something that we've been working towards. I've been working towards a lot as a pastor over the past several months, getting um, young people ready, discovery class kind of thing, interviews with elders, and that's really exciting. But um, on the other hand, it was... A difficult year for yeah. uh, for many people in our church. Uh, we have a member of our congregation, Bob Hoekstra, uh who passed away very suddenly. Was an elder in the church, and this yeah. happened in May, and was just an absolute shock to to the congregation. Was one of the most beloved people of our whole church, and yeah. um, that uh, really knocked us down. Um, kind of
1: knocked the wind out of us yeah. and a
0: lot of people. And. Uh, You know, it's one of those situations where a lot of people are asking why, because Bob was such a bright light and a wonderful Mm -hmm. man a uh, great encourager to me as a pastor, and I know to you as well, Zach, in yeah, your he was. adult Close Sunday friend. school, being at your class every week, and yeah. being one of the last guys to leave the church. Um, <laughs> yeah. Every church has those people in it, and Bob was one of those guys at our church, and so I still feel hmm. the effects of, of missing Bob, and I certainly Absolutely. also feel for... For his uh, his family as well, I know his son Dusty is one of our most faithful listeners, and so um, so that yeah. that was difficult in May, and we still are feeling that, um, and and yet we know that that the Lord continues in faithfulness, and there are there are a lot of reasons to love what God is doing among us now hmm. as a church, and and really the reason that I kind of thought of this topic for us to discuss was, I think that when somebody asks how your church is doing in American evangelical church culture, generally the question that they're really asking is, are you growing or are you shrinking? Yeah. Um, Are there a lot of new people showing up? And is it an exciting church, maybe even a fun church to (laughs) be at? Um, Or is it uh, more traditional or even a slower growth that it's experiencing? That would be kind of regarded as a church that isn't uh, doing all that well. And so really the purpose of this episode is to uh, deconstruct that, that. It's to recalibrate our, our health gauges. Yes, um, because it it is the work of the Spirit at times to fill a church with excitement and revival and lots of new members, and, hmm. um, and yet it is also the work of the Spirit to enable a congregation to plot along faithfully hmm. and there's a lot of plotting that happens day after day at almond valley and and so when when we say something like we love our church and we encourage our listeners to love their church if it is a healthy gospel preaching christ exalting church yeah um that what they mean by that we hope is more biblical than cultural <laughs> uh, more driven by what the bible says a good church looks like um, over and above what our consumeristic culture says a good church looks like.
1: Yeah, I think we can level with you guys, and this won't be a surprise to anyone, I don't think, but... Pastors feel a lot of pressure Mm. uh, about these sorts of things, Mm -hmm. especially when when pastors get together with other pastors or bump into another pastor uh, around town. There's just sort of that awkward elephant in the room sort of thing uh, where pastors will feel like they need to explain how how great their church is doing, and by great, it means how, how much it's growing overnight, sort of, and
0: so is it the hot church yeah is it the hot church yeah
1: one of the interesting things that i think about just anecdotally along these lines is just looking at churches instagram profiles even if they if they have them uh not every church does
0: um that might be a barometer for some people yeah, yeah. Or the website is but just one.
1: looking at how churches some churches promote themselves um which isn't essentially or isn't necessarily a wrong thing by any means i don't i don't want to say having a church instagram is a bad thing i i don't think we do uh no I'm we not don't have instagram. an official
0: church one i mean your youth group uh, has we one. Have, I guess we right.
1: have one for the youth group yeah um and that's just to post what's going on yeah, each week, basically. Yep. There's not nothing really about trying to, you know, change the world <laughs> through our Instagram account. But some churches really are self-promotional, and I get it. That's kind of the world in which we live, mm-hmm. I suppose. Especially if you're a a newer church and you're maybe a church plant and you're trying to sort of gain momentum. Uh, but some churches are very self-promotional in a way that. Sort of follows along, follow, follows, along these cultural lines, these cultural barometers for what is qualifying as healthy and what's good. And that means having thousands of people come to your church, having thousands of Instagram followers, and really starting a movement, uh, selling a lot of your ter- church T-shirts, having a church merch store. Hmm. Uh, I've seen, I've seen these sorts of things, and that's that's all very interesting. And it seems, I think. Even pastors like us feel like the pressure mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. trying to live up to this sort of thing. And so today in our episode, we're hoping really to yeah get to how do we recalibrate this gauge of gauging what our church ought to be doing and therefore celebrating what God is doing in our churches Um because we'll be honest, at Ammon Valley, we have not grown by the by the dozens a yeah. year over year. It's not just been explicit or uh, exponential growth every single year. It's been uh slow plotting, and that is okay, we think. and so that's part of this episode is to uh, sort of give some clarification on these matters of how to gauge our church's healths uh, and how to appreciate it and celebrate what the Lord is up to.
0: What I hope to accomplish in this is a doxological goal, to give glory to God yeah. for normal church, for the, the preaching of the gospel, the celebration of sacraments, friendships that are growing and increasing, um, people giving time and money and attention um, to uh, one another in the church— um, hmm. to their neighbors by inviting them and, and welcoming them into their lives in all kinds of creative ways. I think that when we change our tests for what makes a healthy church to a more biblical test, <laughs> we a, a healthy church will be a place where people give glory to God <laughs> um, for those things that are happening in a church. Yeah. And the opposite would also be true that where we have the wrong perception of what makes for an exciting or a good church, then somebody might withhold thanksgiving to God unless their church is that way. Hmm. And so there's a, the average American church is 60 people. Yeah, um, that's incredible. I, I tell every new members class that I, I like to have some fun, and I don't know, maybe it's not very smart of me, I guess, but I, I sort of <laughs> like to to give them a bit of a zinger and and especially young people asking, I'll ask every Hmm. little group uh, of young people who is professing their faith. Do you think Almond Valley is a large church or a a very small church (laughs) in, in the overall scope of North American Christianity? Yeah. And, and to a person, I believe every student I've ever had has said, we're a very small church. (laughs) And, um, we have about 270 200, maybe 260 270 members on a sunday like on hmm. christmas day we had about 215 people in church and yeah. um, and that's that's a that's a larger crowd and then there's lots of people who watch online and so forth and so i'll i'll basically tell them um, no the average church is 60 people that's a normal church and you drive through stockton yeah. you drive through manteca or modesto hmm. or any small town in this country and you're going to see little churches with white steeples and there's going to be 40 to 50 60 people meeting regularly in those churches and that's normal that's the normal uh and so that isn't to say that we're better than than any small church in any way but it is um it is a way i think of of I say these things so that we would sort of recalibrate at times our our, yeah. our understanding of who we are, um, because the God, God is always doing amazing things in that small church, and also in a, a very large church, like there are some very big churches near us too, and um, God is present in the little one and in the big one in equal measure, um, as long as it meets some biblical criteria. Yeah, there's...
1: That's not really the whole direction we want to go in this, but I think it might be good to pause and think: what are some of the basic biblical criteria for a church being healthy? Yeah. Um, if, as I as I ask this question, the first thing that comes to mind is well, of course, the the book Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. Yeah. Mark Dever, everybody should read it. Um, although I'll be honest, I've not read it. I I know the basic arguments of it. Uh, I know some of the different markers of healthiness that he advocates, like. Expositional preaching, um, discipleship, mm-hmm. and there is a little bit of, uh, there's a, I think there's a chapter in there, if I remember correctly, I've sort of perused it, about church growth, but it's not hmm. um, mega-church growth sort of stuff, it's uh, evangelism being a mark of a healthy church. Yeah, a lot of
0: attention in there on church discipline, too. Church
1: discipline, correct, yeah. being a church member, yeah. uh, so they argue that healthy churches will have membership, uh, so there's accountability sort of built into how the church interacts with one another and its members uh so things like that um and i think those are if you were to read that list of the nine the nine marks those are probably a really good place to start yeah Yeah. um although we here at Ammon valley don't do explicitly expositional preaching constantly sometimes we'll do a thematic service or Mm -hmm. series i mean Mm -hmm. um but even when we do do that, we do try to dig into the text and read it in context, and not try, try to pull verses here and there just to make stuff up, of course. Um, but yeah, that, that's a good place to start for that. Maybe we could ask the question then: What is the Lord doing among us? And what mm-hmm. is? And this should help you all reflect on: What is the Lord doing among my church in in my neck of the woods? What are some of the great things that God is up to that may seem small? They may seem uh, non-mysterious, non-amazing, but maybe they really are. And how can we change our perspective to appreciate our churches more?
0: Yeah, there's and there's always so much happening in the relationships in a church during a worship service. There is so much happening. It's... um. Yeah, you know, I I think it's a little bit like the spiritual equivalent almost of going to Times Square sometimes to be in a worship service. Um, <laughs> I I remember going to Times Square in New York City and the the information overload that happens hmm. when you're standing at I think it's like a five yeah. way corner right um, yeah <laughs> that that it is right there and um, you don't even know where to look <laughs> because there's there's all the flashing lights and there's there's so much going on that it's hard to take it all in. And um, I think actually during worship, it can be a little bit like that in terms of all of the different blessing that a person would receive Hmm. when they come into worship with um, uh, a fear of the Lord and an awe of God and an openness to the Word of God that Hmm. you're sitting with people, you're hearing their voices, um, you're sitting in silence together, which can be actually a, a very awesome thing. We've done that a lot more at our church during the season of Advent is yeah. to sit in silence as a congregation every week, and those have been some of my favorite <laughs> moments of the worship services. Um, and uh, just to, <laughs> to examine my heart and, and where my mind is at, and thinking just for a moment of, of 200 people doing that together in silence yeah. is extremely powerful and countercultural, and amazing, and um, and then there's you know the addition of listening to the word of God, um, you know hearing children sing around you, watching even the children yeah. leave for children and worship, and there's so much happening in a worship service, and God's doing it all, and just to take a moment to ask all, or to to try to notice of what is what is happening right hmm. now, and you'll see it's almost like that that Times Square experience where there's stuff happening all around you, spiritually speaking.
1: Yeah. And it's all grace Yeah, and it's, it's happening to you, whether you yeah. are totally aware of it or not too, that's the beauty of Christian worship. Uh, it's not just something we do, but it's something God does to us and he shapes us and forms us through, uh, through worship. Uh, and that's the principal design of worship and of what Christian uh, worship looks like. Um,
0: Yeah, even thinking of communion, the sacrament of communion, again, like as an example of that, where you've got all these people with all these different sins and all their backgrounds and all their troubles. Hmm. And some of them are having a really good week and they're following the Lord faithfully and they're communing with Christ. And that person right behind them is Hmm. just hanging on by a thread and this is going to be a blessing to them to receive the sacrament and so like yeah. just just thinking of that even as a pastor as i look out at the people who i administer the sacrament to mm-hmm. It is it is pretty overwhelming, actually, to think about all that the Lord is doing just in that moment.
1: Yeah, I, I've only administered the sacrament a handful of times now, but the times I've had, I've had the opportunity to do it, it's been a real blessing to me to do exactly that, to look out. We have the blessing of looking at the whole congregation. We're the only one in yeah. that room that is able to do that, yeah. and to know that the Lord is working, and He's giving Himself for the life of these people, uh, wherever they're at. That is a beautiful thing. That has on a few ca- occasions of me doing it has caused me to tear up mm. uh, just to think about the beauty of, of that singular moment. So many things do come to focus at the communion table. Uh, I think so much of Christianity comes into mm. focus. Uh, there's a, a great tone of celebration and joy. Uh, there's a tone of, of humility, but it's overridden by the goodness of it all. God is giving himself a meal and inviting us to a table, and we are all equal, uh, no matter if you're a King, or if you're a peasant, you are equal at that table, and that is a beautiful uh, picture. And it's more than a picture, of course, but it is a beautiful picture of of so many aspects of the gospel. Um, And so that's a good place to start in thinking about what what is the Lord doing among us. We've sort of already mentioned uh, some of the things that have been going on in the life of our church, Uh, and. Maybe this doesn't look like revival, like some people uh, talk about. And revival is an okay, good. It's a good thing to pray for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shouldn't expect it to be the norm. And it's it's a good thing to to appreciate what the Lord is doing, even in seasons like the one we find ourselves in as a church, where. I would say things are fairly normal uh, and fairly ordinary, and that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, But it is good, and I think it's actually biblical for us as pastors to talk about what we appreciate from our church. Uh, Just this last week, I've been reading uh, Philippians chapter 1 in preparation for a sermon that I actually didn't get to preach, that's a whole other story, Uh, but... In that passage in Philippians 1, Paul starts the book after his quick greeting, the first two verses, he goes into the next uh, nine verses with a an appreciation for the church of Philippi, and he talks about how much he loves them and how much how they are fellow partake, partakers of grace together hmm. and how they have been supporting him in his ministry. He writes from prison. He doesn't know if he's going to see this church ever again. Uh, he doesn't know if he will live or die, so that's the famous passage of the late Later on in Philippians chapter one, uh, uh, to live as Christ to die as gain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whether which one I shall choose, I do not know. Not that he really has a whole choice in the matter, but he's trying to work through which one he would prefer. Um, and so in Philippians one, he expresses his heartfelt appreciation for this church. It's one of the warmest letters of Paul. And he just talks about how much he loves them, how much he cares for them. And he off- offers also a prayer for them that their love would abound more and more and that their discernment would grow along with that so that they could determine what is excellent and truly good and how they may please the Lord. And so in that, with that heart, uh, we can I think we've yeah. we've come up with a few things that we're very appreciative for uh, of our church.
0: Yeah, I really like that example of the the Pauline formula of being so thankful for a church, and how yeah. that letter to the Philippians now encourages modern churchgoers to be thankful for those same things if they're present in their congregation. That's what we're yeah. trying to do on the podcast. Is... And that
1: church wasn't perfect, by yeah, the way. Paul right. has and, critiques. And, and,
0: and so um, we're in, in this episode, we're trying to encourage uh, people to see those same things in their church where they are present, um, that they would, as the theme of Philippians, is rejoice, that they would hmm. rejoice in, in the Lord always. Um, yeah. And so uh, the thing that that first comes to my mind, as I think about our congregation, is the love for Christ and the love for hearing the gospel, for hearing the Word of God. Um, I uh, I was just on another podcast recently, the Messy Reformation podcast, and... Um, that's a podcast. It's 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 very interesting. Uh, the Jason Rice, the the pastor, uh, who is a Christian Reformed Church pastor in Wisconsin, interviews all kinds of pastors, and hmm. and I would say they have varying experiences at, in their pastorate. Um, um, yeah. Occasionally, somebody will say, "Well, you know, the the church keeps me humble and and lets hmm. me know of my mistakes and so forth." Um, and I, I, I guess. One thing I wanted to say on that podcast is how encouraged I am constantly by by the people of Almond Valley, because of <laughs> just I'm encouraged in their words. Uh, it's not just an assumed encouragement that I receive, and it's certainly not because I'm a perfect pastor. That is not the reason. I am <laughs> not even close to being a perfect pastor, or. Um, you know the the greatest preacher they've ever hmm. listened to, or anything like that. Uh, the strongest leader, or more charis- most charismatic guy ever. That's that's just not me at all. And yet, um, in spite of that, uh, the church is is very um, encouraging to me. And hmm. um, and the reason they're encouraging is um, is that they want to hear the word of God. And when they, when they do, and I've worked hard that week on crafting a sermon that is um, reflective of the teaching of God's Word, um, people can sense that I've worked hard and, and that I've loved them by, by providing God's Word for them, by feeding the sheep, and they're vociferous in their encouragement. They, hmm. they, they verbalize that in usually a lot of really amazing ways.
1: Do you find Mark, as somebody who preaches here, basically every week uh, that you will get more appreciation for sermons that you knew were more biblical and mm. less, less appreciation <laughs> for sermons that are less biblical. Yeah. Or is it fairly question. static and you kind of just get encouragement, not that your sermons aren't biblical,
0: yeah. but there yeah, may be one
1: where you've done extra work and yeah. you really, you, it hit you harder and you, it just came off differently. Yep. Um, I'm curious to hear.
0: Oh, that's a really good question. It, it's really hard to see uh, obviously our people are hungry for the word of God mm-hmm. and um it's hard to say if if that's exactly the reason for maybe more encouragement some weeks than others, because I think hmm. it's it's the spirit it's John three the spirit uh, moves in different ways uh, yeah. in, in unpredictable ways, and so that's true th- there there are I, I will say this. There are often weeks where I enter the pulpit, um, thinking this is kind of a regular sermon, you might say. Um, um, yeah, I, that, where I would I would not feel getting into the pulpit. This is going to be a home run and um, there's a lot of, you know, interconnectedness here and scriptural references that people might not think about right away, but have a lot to do with this passage and a story that really kind of can link things together in people's minds and apply the truth. And, and maybe, maybe it's just kind of a straightforward three point, you Hmm. know, here's the first part of the passage. Here's the second part. Here's the third part. Thus said the Lord, and now let's go home. (laughs) And, um, and sometimes it is those sermons that people respond very powerfully to. And Hmm. I can even sense that, um, while I'm preaching, at times that uh, hmm. that what is happening during church is different spiritually almost than what happened when I s- practiced it in my study, hmm. in my office beforehand. It's a it's an yeah. interesting thing. I th- I think it's a confirmation every week of my belief of the activity of the Holy Spirit, the existence of God who is always acting and moving and. Um, yeah there's there's sometimes I even become more emotional and more passionate, surprising myself hmm. as I preach yeah. um, because just that that spirit is behind the Bible and i' I'm, I'm I'm even hearing it maybe in a new way, as I'm preaching hmm. um, the hearing the passage in a new way. So that has definitely happened to me. <laughs> yeah, um even in reading the passage sometimes um I'll I'll think whoa okay you know like I've I, read this I'm, all week exactly. I've studied this all week but here I am
1: now reading it in yep. front of the congregation and now I'm catching something yep. that has happened to me and I preach far less than you yep. so
0: that happens <laughs> almost every week where a phrase I'll be like oh man that's really really good and it's maybe it didn't work its way into the the sermon as much as a different phrase or right. um, or a main idea and so yeah I don't know if I could put a um Criteria on what makes for the more well-received sermons because I do think, hmm. um, hopefully, they're all biblical and gospel-oriented. Yeah, and then certain times the spirit just kind of energizes or almost electrifies hmm. the, yeah. the the passage in in a way that I didn't anticipate.
1: Hmm. Yeah, in my in my time of preaching here, there's generally been. I can think of one person who almost every time I've preached has sent me a very encouraging mm. uh, text just to thank me for um, teaching the Word of God that morning. Mm-hmm. And that's always the the thing that they're excited about. Is yeah. that they felt that the Word of God was truly taught and that they were spiritually edified by it. Uh, And there's other times been other people who have sent me similar messages. And so it is really helpful to hear that for myself, but it's, it is encouraging on the other hand, knowing that what, what excites the people, at least the ones who are talking to us is that we are teaching the word of God and that they are uh, being, uh, they're having, having things clarified in their mind. They're Mm -hmm. growing. They are learning to love the Lord more and to love his gospel more. Uh, There's a, particular person I can think of, Paul Anima, who comes to my uh, Sunday school class, and he will often give me comments about things that struck him that he had never thought of before. And yeah, most of the time, those are things that I've sort of clarified a piece of scripture for him, and that. And that was sort of an electrifying moment for him, really exciting, uh, seeing things in a new light. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's true to say that our church genuinely loves to hear Scripture, and they love to hear the Gospel.
0: Well, and and part of the reason that I want to bring this up in the podcast is to... Debunk the myth that pastors are just the whipping horse of their congregations, and <laughs> you know, every pastor just goes yeah. home on Sunday, beleaguered and criticized, and you know, depressed, and he's got to pick himself back up on Monday morning and try again. You know, like, yeah, that, that might is be not our experience at all, <laughs> yeah. And, um, just the opposite. I'm, I'm launched into the week ahead by hmm. encouraging people um and so that isn't to, I, to again it is not to brag or um or or to say that I'm such a great preacher because I know I'm not the best preacher um but god is doing something in in this body and in, and creating by the spirit's activity a a a culture of encouragement yeah and it's real and um it, you know, I, I, I'm always so sad when I hear pastors talk of just how hard it is to be a pastor. And, it, you know, it is difficult sometimes. Right. And, yeah. and there's a lot of weightiness to the role that we have as pastors. And some churches,
1: some pastors probably do have
0: it more difficult yeah, than others. Absolutely. We can recognize that, right. And obviously. So that, that's a reality. We're not dismissing that that does happen at some churches. Yeah. However, um, we, we've, we've been blessed here... And um, hmm. just feel like, uh, you know, there, there's kind of a way that a pastor could receive encouragement that is kind of manipulative, I know, from some hmm. people. It would be like if if we touch on maybe a little bit more of a political issue, and then all of a sudden people are coming for. oh, thanks for that sermon today, you know? Uh-huh. Like, um, and, and it's it's almost like, they would want you to, to move in a more political direction and yeah. and that's not even what we're referring to either. Um that does no. happen a little bit occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. Um however, the overwhelming amount of um of encouragement that we receive is just a thankfulness to 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 stand on God's word hmm. and and that's what the congregation wants and and that's that's always encouraging us to move forward and continue in that way. Um so I I guess that is the main idea of, of this little portion of the podcast today is that not every pastor hmm. is battered and beaten up and ready to give up after COVID. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that th- that's almost how it can feel when you read articles about the pastorate today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the attrition rate and people leaving the ministry. Um, I- I'm just so thankful to be a pastor hmm. and really the big part of the reason for that is is this wonderful church that I get to serve.
1: Yeah. So we are thankful for our church's appetite for hearing Scripture. Uh, it makes our job uh, yeah. better. Oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> and, a and joy. In a lot of ways, it becomes really a joy to serve up a really good sermon and to uh, encourage people and to draw them to Christ, to convict them, and to show them uh, the grace of, of God in Christ and what He has done. So, yeah. Sunday sermons are a joy and a privilege uh, to get to do, and so
0: yeah, like Paul it, said, I thank God whenever I remember you in my prayer. Right? Yeah. And he says that to many of the churches that he writes letters to. I, that's really how I feel about about our church, thanking God. Yeah. because there's so much good. So.
1: Yeah, and in that passage in Philippians, he says that, he adds, and God is my witness, how much I, I yearn for mm. all of you. Yeah. And you could see, uh, oh, he's not lying. He's not just using some, some fuzzy sentimentalities. <laughs> he is really being serious how much he loves these people. Yeah. And... Yeah, we feel like that towards
0: towards our church as well. Uh, what about number two? Uh, if we move on from uh, a, hung, a hunger for the Word of God, uh, what do you say is another reason why we should, well, we're should? we thankful?
1: Well, there's what's on the list, and I will deviate here. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, I'll add my Three own. Curve ball. I think we are <laughs> really a hospitable church. Mm. Uh, we are a church that eagerly looks for... Uh, newcomers, outsiders, uh, looks for people who are disconnected not connected to our church and so if, there, if you are a person who's going to show up on a sunday uh, maybe you will like it maybe you won't but you will be talked to uh, <laughs> it's not really a possibility of coming in through our doors and sneaking out without having somebody uh, at least attempt to chat with you and not uh, just a paid staff
0: person no greeter person. it's not yeah right. it's uh,
1: very rarely is it somebody who's who's a greeter or an usher they will They will talk with you and help you find a spot, Um, but you will get talked to by people from the congregation after the service, maybe even before the service. Uh, And so, uh, I think that's one of the strengths of our church. Um, I I don't think that we're perfect in every way with this. Mm -hmm. I think there is there is still more growth we could have uh, in this uh, category, but. I, I, I'm really encouraged to see people who, who, if there's somebody who's new or appears to be new, it's usually not me who's the first one to approach them. I often will be told, oh, you got to come over and meet this new person who I just met. I want them to meet you, Pastor. And so... I'll go over then and I'll introduce myself, but it's not me who, who made the jump on on mm-hmm. se- seeing them. Sometimes I don't even see people after the service because yep. I'm running around trying to get things ready for <laughs> the next thing, which is usually my class. Uh, and so it's, it's a good thing that our church is like that. And I think that our church creates... Uh, That hospitable environment, because we know the hospitality of the Lord for us, we know how much we have received from God and his grace through the gospel, through the church, and so we want to extend that. I think forgiven people forgive people, and uh, people who have received grace want to be givers of grace, and uh, this is a big, big thing for me as somebody who's always been an introvert, always will be an introvert. Mm. Uh, Church, walking into a new place is very difficult. Breaking into a group of new people and uh, getting to know them is difficult. And churches that uh, go the extra mile to make sure that you get connected Mm. are are a huge blessing to people like me. Although I am the kind of person that when I go to a church, uh, I don't want everybody jumping on top of me to talk to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But at the end of it, I realize, well, that was really gracious. And I'm very thankful for that when that does happen, if I'm on vacation or what have you, uh, I would rather get talked to than not get talked to uh, by someone. And so I think that that's, that's what, That's one of the ways that the Lord has formed our church by the Spirit, I think, uh, and that's something that has always been very encouraging to me, and it's something that I want to continue seeing more of in the future here at Ammon Valley.
0: Yeah, thinking of the marks of the true church, um, we referred earlier to the nine marks of a healthy church, and um, there's also, of course, the the Belgic Confessions instruction that a church will Hmm. have the Pure preaching of the gospel, the right celebration of the sacraments, and church discipline hmm. as marks of a true congregation. And uh, it was you, Zach, who who taught me several years ago that the the British theologian Hugh Latimer once added love to that mark yeah. of a true church. And so I, I it hasn't really, really stuck,
1: that. but no, I, I do I, like
0: it. I, I like it too. Um, uh, sort of a a charitable spirit. Yeah. Um, a desire for hospitality. Yeah. For um, to, to care for one another. So mm-hmm. I could imagine why that's not included in the true marks of the church, because really that's an outgrowth of the pure preaching of the gospel and the right celebration of sure. sacraments and church discipline, for that matter. Um, that people are are getting along with one another and showing love to outsiders yeah. and um, and so forth. But but I like explicitly adding it to the marks of the church love um Hmm. when you enter a church do you feel this is a place of love Um, yeah or is it is it a place where people sort of give the sideways glance why are they over here you know this week Mm -hmm. um not dressed properly or maybe showed up a little late or um you know don't look like they fit in for all kinds of different reasons i think that that is a, a church where that's happening is on the fast track to destruction, basically, mm-hmm. um, uh, to a, a Phariseeism that is, is built on all kinds of cultural markers and, um, and law-keeping instead of built on the grace of mm-hmm. Christ. And so um, maybe there is a little bit of that here that I'm not aware <laughs> of. Um, it, it's possible. Yeah. But I think that in general, when somebody walks in through the doors, of Almond Valley on Sunday. There's, we're we're just happy to see people. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna administer the sacrament of communion this coming Sunday, and every time it comes back to the front to the uh, communion table, and there's much bread and much juice left over, um, I, I I'm always a little bit sad. There's so much left because I just hmm. we 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 not only do we want to share Christ with more people. And yeah. just see all of that bread used up and eaten and yeah. enjoyed, um, but um, I, I always think in terms of our fellowship is so rich that that sort of represents to me that there's so much more love that we have to share with our neighbors, hmm. um, and so that's a beautiful um, picture. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm always thinking like, man, I wish all this bread was gone, and I wish <laughs> all this juice was gone, so that our neighbors who are perishing. Um, yeah. Or lonely or struggling and and just guilt ridden um, hmm. could could come into this sanctuary and and not only feel the hospitality of the people of the church but most of all the hospitality of God in this place and so yeah um, that's uh, I, I think we are a hospitable church, and i I know that uh, that there's love in this place um, one hmm. one thing that i 'll add maybe as we start to close is something that i've appreciated very much and that is the unity of our council, our church hmm. council. Again, it's not the sexiest thing in the whole world to, yeah. to tell a, um, somebody who's uh, asking about Almond Valley, what kind of a church are you? And, and maybe towards the top of that list, I would say we're, we're a very unified church, including yeah. our council is just uh, has a collegiality to it. Um, we, we laugh in our meetings when that's appropriate and, and when, you know, we can joke with one another, we can, hmm. um, we can have a good discussion, a serious discussion if the, the topic warrants it. Um, we, we come in with good faith um, mm-hmm. trying to get to the bottom of different matters that was especially seen through our COVID-19 response yeah, and yeah. how all the yeah. community that we saw there as a council was amazing. Um, people with different opinions... Um, thinking of elders, um, w- one elder really pushing to keep things open and uh, hmm. really wanting to stay things, uh, you know, uh, no masks and so forth. Another yeah. elder wanting us to be a lot more careful and uh, the, really the other elders kind of in the middle there. And so yeah. um, coming in with uh, with good faith again and with a desire to be a united council and move forward together together. Um, I just we really saw that at our church, and um, after COVID, I would guess people are understanding how big of a deal that is. Yeah, uh, because that is, that certainly isn't the the case of every congregation, and 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 yet it's something the Lord has done. It's certainly not anything I've done as hmm. a pastor to create this, um, you know, this this council that gets along so well. It's this I yeah. really couldn't do that. Um, <laughs> I, I can yeah, you hopefully can. be wise and and. And not saying certain things and holding my tongue at certain points and wise yeah. in some of the biblical instruction that I give maybe during council meetings. But generally, it's something God has, has done. Ephesians 4, 3 hmm. tells us, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And so we do make that effort to keep unity. Right. And yet it's also a gift that God has really provided our church with as we just walk out of council meetings with with smiles on our faces yeah. and having felt like it was a good meeting, and um, and we're just glad to be servants of Christ at, at the church.
1: Yeah, I always enjoy going to council meetings. Some are a little bit slower than others. Sometimes there's not a whole lot going on. And other <laughs> times there's m- much more going on and much more discussion on things, yeah. but it's always yeah, a very uh, good time, something I look forward to. And I think besides just having a united council, one of the great gifts in our church is that uh, because our council, I think, has been wise, and we've uh, we've had people who see things differently, and there there is good discussion on things. I think it has created an environment in our church where there's a lot of trust in the council. There's not a, not suspicion. There's not people mm. uh, yeah. wanting to. Uh, Accuse the council of any wrongdoing or wanting to go behind the council's back. There is a culture of trust and appreciation, and as a council, I think we we recognize that that is a very important thing and not something to uh, to take for granted. And so, we we want to uphold that and keep that trust uh, yeah. and make sure people are continuing to see that we're doing our best to uh, make wise decisions for the life of our church and for the future of our church and that we may glorify the Lord with it all. Uh, And there are times, don't get us wrong where there are definite disagreements uh, and those disagreements as I've always seen it have been handled very maturely. And we, I think we all get that there needs to be a mutual submission to one another in some sense. And so we, we, do a good job of listening, I think, to Philippians 2, to considering one mm-hmm. another more important than ourselves, and taking their opinions into view, and uh, maybe a decision doesn't go your way, okay, mm-hmm. move along.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's not going to be the end of the world. And so that's that's been some healthy things that I've seen, yeah. uh, just as the associate pastor, who mostly sits as a fly on the wall. <laughs>
0: well, and maybe some people who are listening to this don't know how a Christian Reform Council works, and that, so yeah, it point. would be helpful for people to know, Zach and I are not the highest authorities at the church. Correct. Our polity is such that the elders, um, laymen who are elected by the church, uh, their names are put forward by members of the church, including council members. And um, the council presents the congregation with a slate that is approved or disapproved, and then names are drawn um, to determine who incoming elders and deacons will be. Um, so the elders are, the, are our bosses, mm-hmm. um, to use a worldly term that maybe I don't like all that much in the context <laughs> yeah. of ministry, but um, but they are our authority, and, right. and that's also seen in council. Neither of us set the agenda for council meetings. Yep. Um, we're members of council. Uh, And uh, in California, I think there are some rules about what we can vote on and not vote on because (laughs) we're employees of the nonprofit. Um, And so voting on the board, I think, is not allowed, um, especially for things like financial matters. (laughs) And so um, I I generally withhold a vote unless it's a particularly spiritual matter in in our council meetings. If if there's some, uh, for example, something to do with church discipline, then I would would cast a vote for, for something like that. But um, but generally would withhold my vote, um, and so that's that's how our councils work, and and I love that they're lay led, and not just in name but in reality and practicality, yeah. they really are led by men who um, our council president right now was a teacher at mm-hmm. uh, the Christian school for forty years, and before that our council president was is a finan- was a financial planner, and the guy before that was a cop, and <laughs> and that's a good thing, and and we're we're grateful to have laymen who step forward to to lead in that way. And it's, there's terms, so yeah, it's three not lifelong for elders and deacons. Like yeah. In
1: the Presbyterian denominations, typically, I believe, being an elder is a lifelong uh, commitment, and it's not that case in the CRC. Uh, for good or for bad, that's just yeah. how it is. That's one of the, the small differences between our polity. Um, with them. And so yeah. I think there's a lot of wisdom in, in the way we have our polity set up, yeah. and it doesn't allow for celebrity status for pastors. It doesn't allow for pastors to be the sole leader or authority. Uh, those are typically, I think, as the church in America, is, and the church in the Western world in general, is beginning to see more and more. That's not really a healthy setup.
0: Yeah, there that's, are churches where the pastor chooses the council.
1: Yeah, that would not fly in the CRC. No, uh, neither
0: should it. It's no, very unwise. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, though it may seem like more bureaucracy, maybe there's more. Uh, what do they say? Uh, yellow tape on things. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a blessing to us. That's yeah. for sure. And so we very much appreciate that. And that's the way we've seen God at work in our church. Yeah, is through the, the leadership and through what these what these men are. Are doing and the decisions that they're making over the course of the last several years. That includes the current council as well as the council's council members who have been on in years past.
0: Yeah, and one way that we can even quantify that to say that the the council is healthy is the willingness of men to serve on council is really strong in our church right now. Yeah, and so there's not um, a reluctance. <laughs> yeah, this past year we saw lots of guys um, letting their name stand when they they were asked um, to to be a prospective elder or deacon and hmm. um again that's the lord's doing that we would have unity and that it it would be a joy to serve the church hmm. i think that, that that's really uh, a wonderful thing that that's happening at at the in this church and and so you might wonder as a listener well what can you do Um, In response to to that point about a unified council, (laughs) I would want to encourage you to go to your elders and deacons. And if you know of um, someone who's doing a great job as an elder or as a deacon, encourage that person uh, to to go forward and say, "I, I know that you care about your district or however your church sets things up. Um, Or I see that the deacons are doing a great job handling the money of the church, and Hmm. I heard about this cool thing that they did helping somebody with a medical bill. Great job. Um, Keep up the good work there. Um, The church really does thrive on encouragement that isn't just assumed, but that is spoken and verbalized for one another. And so if that describes you, or or maybe if if you're at a church that does not have a healthy council, but you know of a couple elders— or church leaders who mm. are really trying their best, encourage those people, particularly to keep yeah. it, to keep it up, uh, not to give up.
1: Yeah, that's one thing we can come from from this episode in general is encouragement. Yeah. Uh, May that be the case with all of us. Maybe we be encouragers. Maybe if it's not even our spiritual gift, so to speak, uh, maybe we can think of ways to show our appreciation and our love and our care uh, for those around us. And may we be encouragers of our church, yeah. uh, not people who seek to just pick it apart and speak ill of it. Uh, there may be times where it needs critique. It may There may be times where your church needs rebuke. There may even be times, as we've mentioned, I believe in past episodes long ago, where you need to leave Uh, although that needs to be something that you think very deeply about Mm -hmm. with lots of prayer uh, and lots of wisdom but think about how you might love your church maybe you feel like your church is something that you're I don't know, embarrassed by. It doesn't live up to the standard that you see online or on social media. You don't have the cool pastor that is creating a movement. If you're
0: listening from Almond Valley, then that would be the case for you, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Not the skinny jean pastor.
1: Think about what do I love about my church and what can I thank God for in regards to my church? because. All good gifts come from him, and so if there's any good to thank God for, uh, we, we should do exactly that.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great way to, to start our conclusion here, Zach. And, and so we, we do hope that this would encourage you to find things that you love about your church hmm. and to pray about those things and thank God. Uh, that's one of the main prayers of the Apostle Paul is to thank God for (laughs) what is happening in Philippi and in Colossae and in Thessalonica, Thessalonica. And, and, um, and, and in even uh, the Apostle Paul says he prays to thank God for, um, for what's happening in this situation between Philemon and Onesimus, which is pretty amazing because that's kind of a dysfunctional situation there. (laughs) And uh, that's how he starts his letter um, to Philemon. And so, uh, that We can find things to be grateful for. Uh, again, the purpose of the episode is that your church does not have to be bursting at the seams, um, building a new church building, uh, just a budget that you, with so much money you don't even know what to do with, um, just people everywhere, particularly children. Um, <laughs> it is wonderful to have a healthy budget and a new building and uh, lots of kids in your church, but there are many faithful, healthy, uh, God-saturated churches where hmm. it's 40 people meeting yeah. together to worship. And so um, God is, is working there, certainly according to the book of Acts, He works in churches like that. and yeah. uh, And so fixing our understanding of what the Spirit does, hopefully hmm. we can encourage you to look for those same types of things happening in your church. Yeah,
1: amen. So I hope we start out the new year with an encouraging message to go and be encouragers to those around you. We thank you guys all for listening, and we look forward to being with you again next week. All right, bye. Bye.